Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Let's turn to Sergei Radchenko. He's a Russian academic with Ukrainian heritage who works in the West. He's at Johns Hopkins and currently actually in London. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me on the program. Uh, so Russia's military for the first time is spelling out its goals in this so-called second phase of the war. There's a general who says Russia plans to seize full control over the Donbass region, that's the eastern part of the country, and also full control over southern Ukraine to connect it with Crimea. Do you feel you understand Russia's strategy? Well, the Russian strategy has been shifting throughout this conflict. They counted, obviously, on a short uh, victory within a few days that failed. They failed to topple the government in Kiev. So they've shifted now to trying to capture control over Donbass and also capture, according to this latest statements, capture southern um, Ukraine so as to deny Ukraine access to seen, potentially access uh, Transnistria, which is another frozen conflict uh, in Moldova, where they're also uh, pro-Russian uh, separatists. And I'll just note, Brian Mann was describing reports of military activity in southern Ukraine, which suggests there could be some truth to the Russian desire, at least, to grab that part of the country. Well, absolutely. Uh, that that you know, I don't think we should underestimate uh, Russian firepower. And all, although they've found this war very difficult, uh, tough going so far, the ability to inflict considerable damage uh, remains. And uh, I think you know, I think the Russians are determined to continue this war until until they essentially cannibalize Ukraine. I think that's the the game plan for now. We had a glimpse through an open door again in Russia. There was a pro-Kremlin telegram channel that posted a report of thousands of casualties and then took it back down again. We don't really know how many Russian dead there are, but we know there are a lot of them. At what point, if at all, do Russia's military losses influence Russia's strategic actions? Well, we've had that. This is the second time this sort of leak happens. It's not clear whether it's a hack or a leak. It's not exactly clear how many Russians have been lost, uh, how many Russian troops have been lost in this war. But, of course, a considerable number has been um, lost. And, uh, uh, and, and that reflect, that actually uh, bounces back against the public opinion uh, in Russia as, uh, as the Russians stake in for the first time the real costs of this war in terms of their, you know, cost for their, their own troops, their own soldiers. Uh, does the government worry about this? I think so. I think that's one of the reasons why Putin actually publicly called off the storm of, um, uh, of the of, uh, remaining uh, holdout in, in uh, Azovstal plan and Mariupol. Because oh, this is very, you're, 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 you're saying that, that when Putin said the casualties there are pointless, that he meant it, at least in terms of reassuring public opinion that they're not senselessly sending people into their deaths. Well, it's not a total war for Putin. Yeah, he's still trying to do it on the on the cheap, as it were. He's he's not he has not committed uh, the full extent of Russian resources to this war. Obviously, he's trying to keep the losses as low as possible because he understands that. Uh, military losses and economic uh, problems, which Russia is now facing, increasingly serious economic problems, will translate uh, in long term into a decrease of uh, support for this war in the part of the broader population. How much anxiety do you perceive about the longer and longer term effect of sanctions on Russia? 
Well, there, obviously the world will face a serious economic problems. I mean, Russia is already having massive inflation. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, uh, the immediate effect of sanctions was, of course, you know, there was a considerable uh, horror in Russia itself. Um, we've seen some of that horror um, dissipating now over the weeks uh, because, you know, the ruble has seemingly stabilized um, and the economy continues. So over the long term, it's conceivable that Russia will adjust to economic sanctions, much as it has adjusted to much weaker economic sanctions back uh, in 2014. But obviously, over the long, long term, those sanctions will have their effect in, uh, in, in decreasing uh, Russia's economic growth. In a few seconds, are the sanctions most hurting the people who are most sympathetic to the West because they were the people who had connections to the outside? Well, some of them, some of them certainly do. So, for example, uh, uh, Russian dissidents who have, have been forced to flee Russia cannot access their money in Russia because uh, their bank cards do not work. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it, it, the, the sanctions this time have been very extensive, and it, a lot of people in Russia as well are facing problems, uh, you know, just in, in terms of unemployment, etc., Sergei Redchenko is a professor of Russian history at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands. But because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. <laughs> 